Okay, so let me let me reintro. Basically, I I don't know, dude. The app just like died. It was weird. That was weird. Um, all right. Well, Washington Post article comes out today. Cliff Kingsbury under fire. Steve Kime under fire. One high-ranking official from an NFC club says, "Quote: We were shocked that they extended the coach. It's not a sophisticated scheme. He's not a, considered a great play caller." Every year the production drops as the season goes on. Basically saying, these guys suck. And a lot of stuff, the Cardinals fans, Cardinals faithful. I feel like, you know, now it's year four. Feels like there's even more and more as time goes on of people saying, like, we really need, like, the offensive genius that Cliff is supposed to be actually – and, uh, you know, now you hear not only, like, the fans on Twitter and Cardinals Twitter, but, you know, some some NFC scouts, NFC GM saying the same type of thing. Alec, is this finally validation or is this just, like, no shit, Sherlock? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, unfortunately. I think uh, Cardinals fans are starting to pile on a little bit on the Cliff hate train, but I feel Alec, you there? Yeah, you dipped out on me. Fuck, man. When did you lose me? Like as soon as you started. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let me try again then. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're totally right. I think there's a lot of Cardinals fans in particular that are starting to grow and join the hate train, but you know, I feel like this is something that we talked about several years ago, some issues we saw with Cliff's performance that we knew might uh, mean some dangerous things and some dangerous roads were ahead. So shout out to us for recognizing that. But there was a lot of people out there that, you know, they said, give it some time. It's only been a year or two. We were a really bad team before that. So that's a fair point. But now that we've gotten to this later stage and we've seen pretty much what Cliff is um, and what he's capable of, I just don't understand why we extended him in the off season um, for as long as we did too. So, you know, I thought he should have been fired many points in the last season, if not the season before that. Um, and that never came, but to then give him an extension just makes no sense. And so to hear it coming from a lot of Arizona fans who have been building up some resentment. And now you see, like, like you said, the Washington posts with this story with a lot of other NFL executives jumping on the train of, wow, this makes no sense. It's just an embarrassing look for the team. Yeah, I mean, one uh, NFC GM basically said, like, Steve Kime only has the job because he's part of the Bidwell family at this point. And, like, talk about a good way to have nice job security. And I just, you know, talk about something that a lot of Cardinals fans just say when they're pissed off. To have somebody who, like, you know, doesn't have direct, you know, care about the team, I guess, you know, that's – I don't know, man. That's a lot to say. And, like, you know, not to pile on the cliff, but, you know, what is Cliff's job as a coach at the end of the day? Like, much less being the offensive coordinator or play caller, but just being the coach is just get the team ready to play. And I feel like every single game, even a lot of the games that we end up winning, truthfully, the team doesn't look very prepared to play to start the game. And no, we should be on three, yeah. Well, not even this season. It's all the seasons. And I think that's the thing at this point for Cardinals fans in general. And even, you know, it's like this season isn't totally over yet. We'll touch more on that in a second. So it's like you're one and two. You got an escape win. But it's like you look at how the team's played. It's really no different than how the team has always played under Cliff. And even when you're winning, it's like, okay, what happened in this game is Kyler took over the game and decided to win the game. And or, like, the defense had a bunch of turnovers or made some big plays, and that, like, keeps you at it. And it's, it's like, one of those things where um, I feel like, you know, going all the way back to week one last year, you know, when we went on a seven-game win streak, we're at game one, and me and you are just looking at each other like, 
it doesn't matter if we win this game. This team is so many penalties. They don't look prepared. Even though we ended up winning that Titans game, and obviously we went and celebrated at Kid Rocks with the boys, and that was crazy. And, like, you know, shout out to Big Mac for having us. You know, we were pissing off Ben because we me and you were just looking at each other like, this is the same stuff. This is not winning football. Like, even if you win, this is not – like, this is – you can't win like this, like, continually. And then, unfortunately, we were proven right. You know, I just think, like, it's so passionate at a certain point because it's like, this team is so good, has all the talent. Kyler Murray, raw talent, is maybe – second or third best quarterback raw talent wise in the league in my opinion and so it's just like you see all the sum of the parts you see all the parts and you're just like okay all these guys are good all these guys are making plays but like where's the preparation where's the where's the coaching coming to be like making these players a little bit better so that way you're going over the top rather than just like you know slowing down or like you know, a lot of this Kyler Murray slander that like you see, like Shady McCoy coming out today, calling him basically a sandlot backyard bat- football player. And you just kind of got to ask yourself, well, it's like, is it Kyler that plays that way? And maybe it is, but that's kind of something that you get a coach like Cliff Kingsbury to coach out of him, get him more sturdy for the NFL game. So even then it's like, okay, we're like, huh? And then on top of that, it's like, well, how many of these guys are actually open on a regular basis? And how much of this is the line for Kyler Murray? looks like he's running for his life all the time. You look at the Raiders game, we won literally every play that mattered at the end of the stretch there was Kyler Murray running for his life. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. It's like I think a lot of the gripes people are having – with Kyler are really gripes that they have with Cliff. It's like the offense isn't working well. The offense isn't playing great. And like, yeah, that's all true. But a lot of that comes more with the play calling and with the overall coaching. The discipline's not there at all. That's been an issue for a long time. And then on since, top of that. Since it, day one. Oh, yeah, since, since day one. Day one. They've, every season it's the same. They make the same amount of stupid false starts, same amount of stupid penalties that just disciplined playoff caliber teams don't make every now and then yeah you get some penalties but i can almost guarantee you like anytime the cardinals could make a stupid five-yard penalty they're gonna do it and it just comes down to that you know head coaching or lack thereof that the cardinals have and then on top of that you know you mentioned he's this supposed offensive genius this offensive powerhouse i don't even think i would trust him as an oc anywhere let alone a head coach his play calling is not unique it's not impactful you know he has that every now and then on a fourth down he'll call some crazy play that works out and everyone hails him as this genius but the rest of the game he's throwing you know screen passes the entire time and doing nothing downfield nothing creative at all and Kyler just getting blitzed in you know less than two seconds so the fact that we're in this position at one and two is because of Kyler Murray and when we do win it just always seems like it's in spite of bad coaching not because of Cliff Kingsbury yeah, I mean, I wish I could, like, push back and give a contending perspective, but I feel like that's my biggest gripe, and I feel like a lot of Cardinals fans at this point is, like, almost where, like, that the team, when they win, just to reiterate what you said, is that the players are winning the games despite everything not going their way and then like you know you say like the like the offense specifically it's like you know who runs that exact same offense and it looks so much different the philadelphia eagles and they have jalen hurts which i think jalen hurts is a really good quarterback like but he's not he doesn't have the same type of talent and same type of playmaking ability that kyler murray does in my opinion and he doesn't – I mean, now he has some of those weapons. But talk about a almost apples-to-apples apples offensive comparison. You know, you look at what A.J. Brown's done there. You look at, you know, Devontae Smith going off last week. You look at what Jalen Hurts does. You know, the Eagles look like the best team in the NFC. They run the exact same offense. And granted, it's only three weeks, so I don't want to get, like, too ahead of myself. But just the explosiveness that you see, the, like, playmaking ability, it's – it's night and day. It's night and day. And obviously, granted, 
the Cardinals are missing DeAndre Hopkins, the ultimate red zone threat. Like you look at those red zone numbers with D Hop when he plays, and when D Hop doesn't play, I mean, you're basically saying, okay, like the Cardinals offense scores a lot, and then the Cardinal offense literally doesn't score, and that that is it's it's night and day. And I guess I just the thing is is like yeah, it hurts missing D Hop in the same way like Diggs missing for the Bills in the same way that Devontae Adams missing for the Packers. But it's like, on offense at least, you have those other guys. Like Hollywood, I mean, he might be the best draft pick of Kimes tenure at this point. You know, just I'm just going to say that as his, like trading in the first round might be the best decision he's made with the first round pick in a long time. And Greg Dorch, he looks like the Dorch the torch, baby. He's flying out there. And obviously as we get more weapons, you know, but it's just – like, there's still plenty to be working with, even with D-Hop out. And, you know, it's like – but I guess I have to ask you, like, I guess the pushback would be, at this point, is it more of the teams we've played so far in the season? Like, it being the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Raiders, who were all playoff teams last year, and the Rams obviously won the Super Bowl. Like, do you think it's maybe just more of a function of who we played? Look, if we were one and two, but we looked really competitive in all those games, I could see the argument of, oh, those were just, you know, playoff caliber teams. A couple things just went their way, not our way. And that's where it ended up being. But, you know, even even the Raiders, who are now an 0-3 team that look incompetent out there, you know, they we had to have a furious comeback and a lot of lucky shit go our way, like a fumble when they were in field goal range to win the game in overtime. So I just don't think that it that that's promising. You know, if we had been competitive in any of those games or looked like a good, well-oiled machine that just couldn't pull it out at the end, I'd be sitting here in a little bit better of a spot. But there was not a single point, even though it was only one possession loss to the Rams there, there was not a single point in that game where – I or probably anyone in Arizona felt like we had any chance of winning that game. I don't know how you felt, but like, even if it was within, Oh, we're just within a score. It's like, yeah, we're not going to win. I just don't have faith in that at all. And so that's where I find issue and think that that's more indicative of this team is just not where they were expected to be or where they should be given the talent that they do have. Granted, like you said, D hop is out. Yeah. I just, I feel like, um, to your point about the Rams game, I think the Cardinals defense got lucky that the score wasn't higher, to be honest. Um, I, I don't think like, yeah, they kept them to 20 points, but Stafford misses cup on that one overthrows him. That would have been like a touchdown basically. Um, and then Buda Baker comes up with a massive play there to force the fumble from Cam Akers basically on the goal line. I mean, that's another that's two touchdowns right there where your defense comes up big. You are what on one, Buddha comes up big, which, I mean, you expect Buddha to make big plays every once in a while. That's why you pay him the big bucks. And then, you know, you get lucky on the other. But, you know, it's like, how can you – you're playing the Rams and you're settling for field goals. And then, you know, it's just kind of with the Cliff stuff. Like, I'm fine if you want to do, like, the Bill Belichick press conferences – but you haven't earned anything about anything when it comes to like you being in the head coaching position that you were in. And like to think that you're not going to like share what's going on with the team, I guess like doesn't ultimately bother me, but it's four years of the same press conference every time. And it just feels like he doesn't care or He's the kid who literally got a D on the test, and he's like, oh, thank God we got a D. Like, I thought we were going to fail. Like, he gives that type of energy where it's <laughs> like, you had no shot at getting 100% on this test. Like, you would have been happy with a 75%. And sometimes the 75% does get the win. Like, I like that's fine. But when you're starting out and your upper limit is a 75-80, like, you got to hope some things on that test go your way or you are getting a F. And I feel like that's his play calling. I feel like that's everything about Cliff is like, you're the stupid kid and everybody knows it except for the other stupid kid because he thinks that you're smarter than he is. And that's the Kim and 
the common cliff dynamic to me. And then also Vance Joseph, like I kind of I don't think he's a good coordinator. Don't get me wrong. But I, it's not like he's been given like Pro Bowl talent either. So there's like a combo of his scheme sucks and like how much talent is he really work having to work with there shown by, I mean, you look at the way they talk. Sorry, I've thrown a lot out there. Let's just go off that. Like, how do you feel about, you know, thing one and thing two being dunce one and dunce two in this situation and maybe Vance Joseph being dunce number three in this situation? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's a pretty apt metaphor there with the, uh, the dumb kid in class being happy with what he got, but um, yeah, I just, you know, the other thing too, Cuse, is it gets harder and harder to tolerate how much of a douche he looks like when you're not winning games. Like when we're eight and zero, I can kind of tolerate the I don't give a fuck. Look at me in my Ray Bans and my tight black shirt look. But when you keep trotting that out there and your team scores four field goals and just looks like complete shit and disorganized out there. It just isn't the best look to be coming out in. And then, like you said, in the press conferences, just doing the whole, you know, oh, got to come out stronger, got to be better, you know, credit. It's just like it's the same bullshit over and over again. Um, And the other thing about Cliff that I just – I can't wrap my brain around is this guy refuses to kick field goals in situations where he should absolutely just kick the field goal and then – on the one time where I would agree with him, it's like, nope, this is the time to go for it and not settle for the field goal. What does he do? He settles for the field goal. It's mind numb. It's like, it's maddening. Like, stick to a script. How do you do it reverse in every situation? How do you make it wrong every single time? It makes no sense. Well, um, yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I think kind of like a function of the reason why Common Cliff even hang out is I feel like being somebody who's lived in kind of like – a little bit more intense sports cities, I would feel like, with like Chicago and Dallas, even with their cow. That wouldn't even have, uh, that wouldn't have flown at all. You know, like that, talk about, I mean, he would have been run out of town. Yeah. You there? Yeah, sorry. No, that's my fault. I got a phone call. Um, but, yeah, he would have been run out of town, bro. Like, And so – but how do you feel about Hollywood stepping up, Dorch stepping up? Um, it looks like Eno – it looks like James Connors kind of struggled early. The line looks like not half bad, I feel like, on offense. And then Kyler, I mean, he needs to take another step. Like, it's year four now. Like, you know, for all the cliff slander, it's like, you know, Kyler, you still have to do your part also. But how do you how do you feel about like the individuals so far, kind of their performances outside of like, you know, Cliff being an asshole essentially? I mean, I think Hollywood's been awesome. He had that insane catch. What was that week two against the Raiders where he like one hand caught it? It was originally called a touchdown, but then down at like the half inch line. And even in the Rams game, I mean, he popped off for what 130, 140 yards despite us not getting in the end zone at all. Yeah. 14 um, for 140. A lot of catches. But, but it's too like bad we weren't in that PPR league, baby. I could have used that extra four. Uh, I would have a nice, a nice extra 14 points. But yeah, yeah he, could, he could have had one-yard receptions and he would have been fine with that. Um, but, yeah, I think you pointed out too, though, it's like as good as that performance was, and Hollywood is clearly our number one guy, at least until D-Hop gets back. Like my concern is even with as good as D-Hop has been, and he's arguably, you know, top – receiver or at least top five receiver in the nfl still it's like cliff doesn't use them for anything unique at all he runs the same routes with them every single time and so i'm just worried that that's gonna lull into his performance especially when d hop gets back but i've liked how he's played so far i think dorch is by far the standout just because i expect a guy like hollywood brown to have a great start since i do think he is so good and so talented so i think dorch has definitely been at least mine, and I know a lot of other guys stand out so far of the year. Yeah, I feel like, you know, what I think is cool, like just to piggyback off that, is I feel like Dorch is as good of a wide receiver, too, as the Cardinals have had maybe since, or at least for a while, you know. 
Um, maybe Anquan Bolden, you know, like the, the production so far, three games in, like maybe that's too high a praise, but it just seems like, you know, he, he's, in a, he's going to be a top three wide receiver on this team is what it feels like with the production and kind of like, I don't, it just feels like that. Um, and then I feel like Hollywood's proven like he's a, he's a one in my opinion. And like, thank goodness we have De- DeAndre Hopkins because that's like an insane weapon to have as well. So it's going to be like a 1A, 1B situation, plus Dorch, plus whatever they can figure out with kind of Ertz and Moore and James Conner and Eno and some of those like um, more trick or more like short opportunities. I feel like the wide receiver core is as elite as it could be. No, the wide receiver core is very good. Um, but I, I think you sent it to me, or I'm sure you've seen it. Did you see the uh, press conference after the game, though, where the guy kind of called Cliff out for uh, utilizing his receivers in the wrong manner? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to have a 5-4 receivers blocking safeties. I concur. <laughs> they just get blown up, dude. Well, that's the screen game situation, you know? like, And that's kind of why we harp on it, is it's just like – what the fuck am I looking at right now? Like, how does this make sense? How can you be so smart but so stupid at the same time? Like, and that's why I just say, like, I don't think Cliff's good at his job. Like, it's – and I think the other thing is, too, is, like, the fact that so many people – it's, like, so many people are invested in football these days, whether it be, like, fantasy football or, like, watching, like, talk shows, and specifically fantasy football, like, trying to figure out who to play, like who not to play, why to play them, why not to play somebody else matchup-wise. Like the average football fan knows a fuck ton about football. And, you know, obviously me and you, like I feel like we know maybe are a little bit more invested than the average Cardinals fan at this point. Um, And so it's just like you kind of – yeah, dude, 5'4 wide receiver blocking a safety is silly. I don't care. Like I don't care what level. If you was a high school team, you'd be like, fire that coach. This is embarrassing. Yeah, my, my girlfriend knows almost nothing about football. If you just showed her the play design and asked, do you think this is a good idea? She could even tell you, no, it's not a good idea to have a 5'4", 150-pound guy try to block a safety or a D-end. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I concur. <laughs> I don't know. But I also have to ask you, like, just to follow up, like, what were your expectations coming into this season? Like, do you feel like this one and two is, like, really throwing you off? Or do you feel like, you know, like, your expectations were already very low? Or maybe, like, you just did still have high expectations coming off kind of, like, the potential of this year? Or, like, where did you stand coming into the season? And, like, so how does that make you feel now, do you feel? So, I mean, I've always been a little jaded with the whole Cliff saga, but I honestly had pretty high expectations coming into the year. I thought it would be, you know, not a not a seven or eight no start again like it was last year, but I thought that we would have a more similar, at least more similar start to the year as last year and then just prey on not a second half season collapse, although that seems inevitable. So I was a little shocked that we are as bad as we are right now. The record... One and two, like I said, not the end of the world, more just the actual play within those games that's more concerning. So I've definitely been disappointed. I took the over on my book for uh, Cardinals wins on the season, and that I thought was a for sure hit. I was like, I can't believe that they're doubting us so hard. This is an easy hit. Like, it's not even, you know, that's not even playoff number of wins to get the hit. And now I'm like, uh, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I I think for me, like, I had a realization, like, going into – once it had reached week one and Kime still on the defensive side hadn't made the appropriate upgrades to have, like, even the same level of defense that we had last year, which was already suspect, I had – I think, like, my expectations dropped to, like, I'm not sure if this team is a playoff team. And so I guess what I've seen or like they're a borderline playoff team, especially because with the Seahawks in division, like that should be two wins. Um, and but do the, you still feel that way now, though? The 49ers, like, you know, it's like we always play them really well. So like who knows how that goes. Start going into the season is like how good is Trey Lance? Now they have Jimmy G, obviously. But I feel like San Fran always has so many injuries. Like you always have a shot against them, especially to go two and out. 
And then it's like, you know, like the Rams are the Rams. Like we don't beat the Rams. <laughs> so <laughs> no, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's just like, you know, coming down to some other stuff. Plus, like being a playoff team last year, the strength of schedule was way more difficult, which I think some of the boys and some Cardinals fans are starting to realize right now. It's like to your point, like one and two is not surprising at all. I think the way that you've played to get to one and two is like you've literally had one good quarter of football and one good overtime of football. And like the goodness of the football was literally Kyler Murray running for his life and deciding to win the game. And so like, is it, it's just like, I guess I'm record wise. I think I'm where we expected. And then like, I kind of think the defense is overproducing at this point. Like I don't expect that to continue. I do still think it's funny how everyone's like, oh, yeah, I was Isaiah Simmons played 16 snaps last game. But, like, we love what we see out of our number eight overall pick three years ago when, you know, comparable guys in that type of draft are supposed to be pro bowlers, you know. And Isaiah Simmons, as I said, like, kind of threw in the group me, he's not – 16 snaps, you're not a starter if you're only playing 16 snaps in a game. Like, much less a pro bowler, like, you're not even a starting level linebacker. And then Zabin Collins, I feel like, you know, maybe there is something there with Zabin, but it's just, you know, I feel like he's actually shown progress. So, like, I guess I'm not going to get too hyped up about it, but so I also think he was the right pick. Probably not. But, and so saying all that, the defense is really based this year on how good Isaiah Simmons and Zabin Collins could be. And I just don't really have faith in that at all. And so. Wrapping that all around to my expectations are where we are, where we thought we would be. However, I think that there's a realistic possibility here. If you don't beat the, if you don't beat the Panthers in week four, you're a real trouble of becoming a top seven pick with the rest of the schedule after that. Cause you have Panthers, then you have Eagles, which is a tough game, you know, like, you know, it, it if, even if Cardinals were playing their best, it would still be a push. But then you have Seahawks, which is a must-win also. And it's like, if you're 3-3 three and three when D-Hop comes back, at least the team has, like, a chance to show something with a Thursday night game versus the Saints. And then you add the Vikings, who have been playing really well, but, like, the Vikings are the Vikings. So, you know, I guess we'll see. But that should be, like, a winnable game. And then you get the Seahawks again. And it's like, well, you could be 6-3. and three. If all goes well, you know, if you take care of business, you could be six and three. And, but even then, like I was looking at the the record after that, it's like, if you're six and three, it's like, well, even if you're six and three, like the, the next eight games after that are all really, really tough. Like I, even if, you know, Bruner's 10 and seven, I think for me, even with how low my expectations were, like i I feel like that's best case scenario is to be 10 and seven at the end of the season. So um, maybe that's a little bit downer though. I don't know. I mean, it might be, but it's like you said, it's, you put it perfectly there. It's not the one and two, it's the way you got to one and two. And unless it's still early in the season, you know, and again, you are going to get D hop back, but you don't want to be at a point where when you get D hop back, it's too late to really, do anything because you're too far back um and even if he does come back we can't just think of him as like this magical fix because there are other problems going on that were there even when he was playing and those problems stem deeper than a lot of the personnel i do agree but i think at the same time though like he could be the magical fix like he's the whipped cream on the sunday that covers up like the cherry that has maybe is maybe a little old you know like he he could really have that. I think he really does have that big of an offensive impact on the Cardinals. And so that's kind of why I feel like it's like if you beat the Panthers. Which we never do. Which we haven't done, though. That's like <laughs> that's the thing is like you're asking for something that's never happened. Like that's that's a lot. So but also at the same time, like, like Carolina sucks. Like Baker Mayfield is the worst quarterback in the league right now. And Christian McCaffrey looks like he has an injury issue right now, so that could bode well for the Cardinals. But Matt Rule absolutely owns Cliff Kingsbury. And but on the flip side, Kyler Murray absolutely owns Baker Mayfield. So I guess that's where like the glimmer of hope sets in. <laughs> um, did um did uh Matt Rule own Cliff even back in their big twelve days? Did they ever absolutely match up? owned his ass, dude? <laughs> absolutely he's like in there yeah dude baylor dominated texas tech 
everybody dominated Texas Tech. That's true. Uh, that's why it's just, you know, I remember when Cliff got hired, I was like, this is hilarious. Like, I wouldn't want him to be the TCU football coach, like, much less the coach of a professional organization. Like, it's obscene. Um, but I just say that all, and it's like, but it's like, it really is like the Panthers game, I think we win. But also, if you don't win it and you don't win the Eagles game, then you're one and four. And then the Seahawks game is like the most must-win game of must-win games. And let's just say you're two and four. Like, okay, let me just let me rephrase, right? What obviously three and three is ideal to be at for the D Hop when D Hop comes back for week six or week seven. But what do you think is like most likely? Do you feel like it's likely that we get Carolina? Or I should say it's like how could we only have one win? going into week seven and still have a shot at playoffs with the hop coming back? Or do you feel like we have to get the Panthers and the Seahawks or maybe just even one of them? I, I think if we want any hope of being a playoff team and obviously we aren't going to win the division, but we could get in, you know, as a wild card team. But I think if in order for that to happen, you need to be at three and three when D hops comes back as a minimum. Okay. I, I do agree with you that he is an insane offensive, you know, Powerhouse. Well, I, I like the whipped cream, but specifically like the red zone thing, I think is what stands out the most. No, yeah, no, for sure. And uh, but I just think like operationally, beyond just the red zone thing, like we just don't, as an offense, look competent at times. We can't put drives together. I have no faith in us getting a first down. And I think that a lot of that can be helped by D Hop, but I also think a lot of that's a lot deeper than D Hop. You know. I, I totally agree. I mean, I've thrown in those route trees. Um, yeah, those route trees me. piss me off so much, dude. I like, I just did, like, you know, I threw the Christian Kirk one in just to kind of show, you know, how the Jaguars have utilized him. I wasn't able to find a Cardinals one, but it just didn't look like that. And so to kind of like show the massive differences, it's like I showed the D Hop Texans game, I showed a D Hop Cardinals game. And then even Hollywood's 14 catch game last year, it's like you see that route tree. It's like, how do you score the football without any explosive plays? And there's only really been two this year, and it's been torch the torch both times with massive plays, massive yak, like just a big play, game breaking play. But like other than that, like there's just been like nothing. Yeah, it's just screenplays and then post to the out of bounds line with your best receiver. That's all they do. Is James Conner washed, Alec? No. No. He's not. No, absolutely not. There's still there's still we still have some hope for James Conner before he even enters his extension. I mean, he, I think he had his redemption season last year. I think he's been dealing with a little bit of that tweaked ankle this year, but I also think that like we just haven't been in situations like we were in last year where like he was, you know, the go-to gold goal down guy. Like how often are we really at the goal zone for, you know, him to get his shine? It doesn't, it doesn't feel like very often. Yeah. So like I don't think often. it's a James Conner problem specifically. I think it's just a whole offensive unit problem. And I think if we can patch some of that and get more goal to go opportunities, I think you'll see that explosive James Conner who led the league in touchdowns. Fair enough. Well, it's just, I guess, like, it's tough, too, because it's like you really do look at that defensive roster and you're like, that's that's not a playoff defensive roster. No, but the not. offense, you know, has a shot. And so that's why I feel like at this point still I'm holding out without holding out hope that, you know, like we can squeak a game here or there maybe. And then by the time D-Hop comes back, like, let's see what the offense looks like going for that week seven game through week 10. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying there's no shot at the playoffs, but it just seems like with almost any other coach, the odds would be better with maybe some roster moves that seemed like this off season, like no brainers to every single person on Cardinals Twitter, at least Um, that would have been hugely beneficial. And, like it just seems like there's no spark, and maybe if you can get to where D Hop pops in, he can be the spark that ignites a run 
and you have like kind of like a back door into the playoffs here. I feel like that's my only hope. I and truthfully, like I felt like coming into the season that was like really the only hope, which is sad. Yeah, it is sad, but and I think you're right about it. But I also just think you know you need to walk before you can run. So before we can even worry about will we won't we make the playoffs and play the matchup game, it's like can we just get a consistent game out there where our offense looks competent like it should be for four quarters or our defense steps up like they should. And I just, you know, we haven't seen that yet. So I I would like to see that first and then, you know, secondarily start worrying about, well, can we put some wins together and can we make a push at the playoffs? Because it is still early in the season. That's true. So let's, let's settle down then, you know, let's, let's come back to reality. There's a game (laughs) Sunday. It's only week four. We're playing the Carolina Panthers in Carolina. Baker Mayfield's the worst quarterback in the fucking league. All those wide receivers are struggling. McCaffrey might not be fully healthy. How do you feel like – how do you feel about the Cardinals' odds going into it? Um, road dog minus – I'm not sure what it's at right now, but minus two and a half. Last year, we were 7-2, I believe, as the road dog. So, kind of like maybe there's some hope. Maybe there's some hope that the Cardinals end up 2-2. Two two. Yeah, I mean, I'm for sure going to sprinkle some some money on that, and I'm sure I'll come to regret that. But, I mean, <laughs> I, I, know, <laughs> I know we aren't favored, but it still feels like a game that we should win. And maybe I'm naive in that, but it just doesn't seem to me like this Panthers team should be a team that we lose to. I don't know. Yeah, I second that. I feel like that's maybe why I didn't really didn't feel like we needed to talk too too much about this. Like I just I feel like this is the type of game where it's like either the Cardinals show up and they play well and they win, or you kind of just see what we've seen the first three games and you lose. And just kind of the same, you know. Yeah, like I, but I mean, you also got to account for, like you said, we haven't beaten the Panthers in forever because they have some magical, like our last, our last win versus the Panthers was literally 2013, when Cam Newton was the quarterback of the Panthers, and oh my goodness, I'm blanking, but Carlos Dan. The Cardinals had like seven sacks or nine sacks. I'm blanking off the top of my head which one. But like Carlos Dansby was on the team. <laughs> and that's Legend. how I knew. I was like, wow, that was like, that was literally last. That's like almost a decade ago. Yeah, that's rough. Super rough. Um, I don't know. Like, I want to say I have hope, but I just feel like to keep my mental health normal this season like i've just lowered my expectations significantly that's such a smart move and i just and like granted i still get worked up because it just feels so like obvious it feels so obvious what is wrong um you know and what are the what are the things that wrong what's wrong alec like what do you feel like it's like okay if you do these three things the cardinals will win the game give me your three of the game or maybe Uh, if you can that's that's a good thing. I think keys to the game, you gotta at least get points on your first drive. Something we have not done really like the entire season. Uh defensively, I think we I'm gonna say we need to force more third downs. I'm not even gonna say we need to get them to punt all the time, but the amount of times that teams just gash us for like eight yard runs at a time and don't even see a third down, not great. Mm-hmm. Um and then lastly, I think we need to make sure that their tight ends don't go off because we have struggled with tight ends since the beginning of the organization back when they were in the Midwest in the sixties. So off the top of my head, those are my three. <laughs> Now I respect it. I'm sorry to just pop that question on you like that, but I thought you were going to go with the classic Cliff Lance was press conference, um, which was you got to start. You got to start early. You got to start quickly. You know, it's it's you say first drive. I would that would be so ideal, but you know, just even in the first quarter, like the Cardinals haven't scored a single point in the first quarter this season, which is just like 
baffling, to be completely honest. And if you score first, like, even better. But just, like, score in the first quarter. Like, put some points on the board. Um, And that's that's my only key to the game. Like, I, I look. All your points were factual, you know. Just play, play solid defense, force them into tough positions, and then like hold it down. But I, I just think like I, I don't expect anything from the defense at this point. Like I just don't think Xavier Collins and Isaiah Simmons, and you know Marco Wilson even, or like you know Byron Murphy shut down Devonte Adams. But can you expect him to do that every game? Like. Would be sick, but also it would be really dope if you had like an elite first corner, so that way Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson could be like elite CB twos and CB threes. So, um, I think the defense will be fine. Baker Mayfield has a twenty eight point six quarterback rating so far this season, which is good because the defense is giving up one hundred seventeen passer rating, which yeah. are a little bit different a stat, but I mean you can kind of tell how significant of a disparity that is. Um, but it's just, you know, like, I don't, I don't know, man. It's the same stuff every fucking game. Score first. Look like you know what you're doing. Stop calling a screenplay every fucking, like, be aggressive. Don't be stupid aggressive where you're going on in fourth and 12 for no fucking reason. I, I just – I just feel like a broken record. So I, I I think you just summed up everyone's frustrations in like thirty seconds there. Well, it's just it's the same shit, and it's it's close press conference after every game. It's like, oh, they played so hard. It's like, bro, you've been saying the same shit for four years. It's not year one anymore. And so, but I feel like you know, like how much? But question to you: How much at this point? Is it can we still keep blaming Cliff Kingsbury, knowing that it's Cliff Kingsbury versus like? okay, Kyler, like, this is the situation. Like, how good are you? Like, you wanted to get paid like a franchise QB. Like, it's almost your job at this point to erase the mistakes of everybody else on the field and win football games. Yeah, but, I mean, I think he showed us some of that in the Las Vegas game. And, I mean, even in the Rams game, like, we didn't get the end zone, but he still passed for over 300 yards. So, I I think he's doing – pretty much all he can i'm sure there are areas he can still improve in but i you know to all the people out there that are trying to blame this on kyler i think i think it is definitely more of a cliff problem but i agree with you there are certain things he's got to get better at and that's why you paid him the bag and you know hopefully his time play calling during the preseason has opened his eyes to how bad of a play caller cliff can be and he just goes out there and starts throwing some audibles on his own that would be ideal that would be ideal. I just there's just so much wrong also. But to your point, I think I think we gotta start being, you know, now I feel like one thing I've kind of changed my stance on at this point, specifically with Kyler Murray. And while I do think ninety percent of the issues are Cliff Kingsbury at this point, I think that Kyler has to take it upon himself. And he does do this. Like, so it's not like, oh, he doesn't do this. Um, but he just has to do it. He has to realize the situation that he is in, which is if I do not win this game, we will not win this game. And so kind of wanting him to understand that that really is what's going on and like acting like it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just, like that. don't expect cliff like it, like, you know, just, I felt, felt like, you know, Kyler kind of made some comments about how, like, the wide receivers weren't awake when they're running down the field or, like, when he's scrambling. And it's like, okay, well, if Cliff's not doing it, it's your job, bro. That's your job. Like, this is your practice. This is your team. You're the franchise quarterback. Like, if your weapons aren't doing what you need to do to win the game, you grab them by the face mask and you tell them what they need to do on the next play so that way we can win a football game. And so I think I'm going to start lining up Kyler Murray a little bit more as we go along the season, just wanting him to make the team play better because if he doesn't do it, nobody else will. So I think that's my new strong stance of this year. 
I like Ky- it. Kyler Murray beat Michael Jordan on the football field. <laughs> I like it. You know, you're not allowed to be Tom Brady and have a good coach and put yourself in a good situation. You're not allowed to be Aaron Rodgers actually having like some good vets around you, some good weapons. Like, well, I guess you, I guess what Kyler Murray is at this point is Aaron Rodgers where the Green Bay Packers were getting those one seeds in his prime, which is you don't have a defense. Your coach is questionable. And it's all on you, bro. Like, let's see what we can do. Yeah, I mean, I hope he lives up to that. I'd be, st- I would be, I would be stoked with that. But, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, at some point, is that too it, much pressure? Do you not think you think that's like, all right, bro? You just compared Kyler Murray to Aaron huh. Rodgers. Like, come on, now. no, no, no. I don't think it's too much pressure. You know, I just think it's unfortunate that we're in a situation where, exactly like you said, if you know. Kyler doesn't win this game. No one's going to. Um, so, yeah, I think it's unfortunate, but I think you're absolutely right. Okay. But, all right, we'll wrap it up here. I don't want to be, like, too big of a downer. I do have <laughs> – because I do have some hope going into the Carolina game. I just feel like at this point my expectations are so low. Like, I just – if we make the playoffs, I will consider that a success. Because it's like once you're in, like, you always have a shot, you know. And I think that's kind of where the Cardinals one week at a time mentality needs to kick in because there's definitely some opportunity here. And, you know, you get the Eagles at home. You know, you're supposed to be able to win home games even worse versus the best teams. So another thing Cliff hasn't done very well, but that's something that's supposed to be able to happen. Um, so, yeah, I guess, do you have a final thought on the cards? Or do you feel like that kind of wrapped it up? Before I, I maybe touch on Aiden real quick. No, I think I think you wrapped it up pretty well. Um, like you said, cautiously optimistic. Lower your expectations, but you know I still expect them to go do what they're supposed to do. So Sunday, I would like to see a complete game and a complete team show up. Yeah, I just you know, like I feel like at this point, what I what I want for the season is an exciting team to watch. Yes, that's it. But then I and I feel like if that if that happens then the team will look a lot better than it does now, obviously. But I feel like a lot of wins would come with that. Um, so moving on, speaking of a, another uh, dramatic situation, maybe a situation that should have never occurred. Um, well, I guess well, we'll touch on Robert Sarver, no longer the owner, hopefully. Let's fucking go. That's huge for everybody in the entire Valley. I don't think anyone's wanted him as the owner for like at least seven years now. So, obviously, some despicable things in that report. Don't love that. But he's gone. So, kind of a W for Phoenix. Not going to lie. But off of that, DeAndre and the boys are back in. KD doesn't come to the Suns, as you were saying. Kind of sad for me. Thought there was an outside shot. But who knows? Maybe we get a great owner out of it and KD's on the team before you know it or someone of that caliber. Um, DeAndre Ian is in training camp after signing the Pacers offer sheet. Suns match. Lots of good. Is there any good vibes right now in the Suns organization? I guess is the question that I need to ask. Jay Crowder wants out. DeAndre Ayton looks pissed. Monty Williams decided not to talk to Ayton all summer. And Sarver's a clown. What is going on? Is, is there any team chemistry left? Is there any, like, what the, what is this? Yeah, I mean, it It would really seem that way. Uh, it's like, I can't wait for the season to start and us just, just to play a game so that we can start talking about the basketball because, you know, this offseason has not been a great offseason news-wise for us, like you touched on, the Sarver news, you know, this whole training camp stuff. I am still hopeful because I, I think – especially in today's day and age, the uh, need to make a story and get some clicks is super high. And so I think that the media is especially blowing things up, whether they are a big deal or not, because it's just going to get them clicks. So it's hard to tell because a lot of this stuff, you're right. It looks like there's some chemistry issues. The fact that Monty didn't reach out to Aiden at all this summer and hasn't spoken to him as of media day is not something I would have expected or wanted out of a veteran head coach who's supposed to lead that locker room. 
Aiton, you know, is he just trying to be serious or is he just actually pissed off and doesn't want to be there? You know, it's like all this, all these storylines get thrown out there and it's hard to know what's a big deal and what's being overblown for clicks. So I just really want to see them get on the court and play and hopefully put all that to rest by just absolutely dominating the Mavs game one and getting absolute revenge for that pitiful game seven that they put us all through. Facts. Did you speaking of the Mavs though? Did you find it interesting, Monty's comments about saying no comment when specifically oh, like asked stuff? if Luca gave the Suns COVID and if that attributed to the Suns collapse at all? Yeah, I I did find I did I did hear that. I, I still don't know what to make of that whole situation. I don't know how much of that is just you know true. How much of it is bullshit? How much it really affected them versus just like utter collapse? You know. I don't think we'll ever know. Well, I thought I thought personally, Monty Williams, the way he answers questions is very telling. And the fact that he didn't say no and instead said no comment, I think that there was something to it. However, as like you're kind of saying, there's no excuses. It's the playoffs, like win a single game and you move on. Um, so, but I mean, you know, like, I don't think it's something that can, they can comment on because if it's true, it's like, oh, they let Lucas spread COVID. Like, that's aft. So, um, yeah. E- yeah. Even if it's true, you know, Adam Silver has got three snipers on anyone when that question is asked, just waiting for them to try to say something. Exactly. But I did find it also interesting that Monty didn't talk to Aiden at all. That's um, not cool. I thought that was kind of weird. Specifically, not even like a text to be like, hey, man, way to get the bag. Like, we appreciate you. Like, excited to see you in training camp. We'll do, like, we'll talk about shit when we see you there or something like that. Like, you know, because, you know, maybe for a while it was like, oh, is Aiden even going to be back? Like, maybe I don't want to like even press on this. Maybe it is better to diffuse the situation, not knowing exactly what the situation is. But then for, you know, to be at training camp where you're doing media interviews and still haven't talked to each other. I thought that was not ideal. Yeah. It's just like, it's unexpected out of a guy like Monty, which is why it's so weird. Preach. Also weird that James or Jay Crowder wants out because Cam Johnson is going to be a starter this year. I thought that was pretty soft by Jay Crowder. While I understand it, it's like, I feel like that whole situation is kind of like, why are we doing this? Like, wh- why would you do this now? Like Crowder, I mean, as some people have pointed out, he's super streaky shooting, but he was also like, he's always the guy who shows up no matter what. Yeah, I, you know, we can get into this when a, when a trade offer ends up actually coming into fruition, but I'm a little worried, Keith. I'm not going to lie, I'm a little worried. I, I like Cam Johnson. I think he's a great player. I don't know if he's ready to take on the starting four position and take over for Jay Crowder. I just don't know that he brings the same energy. He's definitely not as good defensively. And, you know, for all the jokes about Jay Crowder struggling to shoot in that New Orleans series, he was really the only one that showed up throughout the Dallas series. And Cam Johnson also just fell off the face of the earth the entire, you know, last quarter of the season. So while I get that they want to develop these young guys, I'm not saying don't trust in Cam. I don't know why you wouldn't maybe try to keep Cam's role as a as a bench player, getting more minutes and keep Crowder in the starting lineup and maybe give him a little bit of an extension. I thought that was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, I second that. I think to your point, we'll definitely discuss it more in depth if there's a trade or kind of like as the season shakes out. I just find it – I find a lot of the Suns offseason just kind of like – not great. Why? Why? Why are you doing that? Like, what? What's the point? Like, just not even like, oh, that's dumb, but just more of like, why? Why? Like, what? And so, I guess also at the same time, I think I said in the pod before the off season or like right after it ended, if Sarver was gone, I would consider the off season successful. And so, I think that <laughs> since that happened, I'll just take it and like run with it. But uh, I definitely have some. I mean, I I think there's some concerns for for real and. um um, we can get into those though as the season draws nearer. Um, some, uh, do you have any final thoughts on some other AZ sports um, things before we wrap up here? 
feel like we've done a lot of good work here so far and our DHP uh, return. Yeah, I mean, it, it had been a, what, like almost a two-month little hibernation hiatus there, so it feels good to be back, I think. Yeah, it, it was tough, man. I just, you know, kept missing just off schedules, couldn't figure it out. Sometimes these things happen. I was starting to think it was me. Maybe I just, you know, not loved, but, you know, maybe <laughs> – that, but I couldn't be true because Alex, the man. So no, we made it work. I think I think that was excellent. Only other things I would touch on: uh, Coyotes playing in some uh, warm-up exhibition games. Always fun. Excited to see the Coyotes play in that new arena. D-backs ending the season in just kind of boring fashion, but getting to see some uh, some of the guys progress a little bit that we brought up, and then uh, Arizona. Football looking a little bit better. Had a tough loss to Cal, but that offense still looks great. And I'm, you know, 100 times better for it that we don't have someone. And then ASU getting rid of Herm. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that's been – it seemed like those allegations of sanctions killed the program single-handedly. So I hope that doesn't, like, kill the program, kill the pro- – or I should say killed Herm's tenure single-handedly because – They've had quite the drop off and even talent, it looks like, from an outsider's perspective on that. Um, but it seems like a lot of ASU fans are happy he's gone. So hopefully they get a good coach in there. It looks like ne- Neon Dion might be a uh, shot. That'd be sick. I personally think Scott Frost could be a potential hire as well. Kind of with like, it looks like those ASU sanctions are kind of hanging over the program, which is never ideal. Is I don't know if there's an update on that recently. Um, but a- Arizona dropped some new jerseys for men's basketball. Those look pretty fire. Return of the old '80s, '90s championship colors. Jersey. Yeah, I'm lo- I'm loving this new theme of uh going back to the basics. Suns going back to their sunburst jerseys. U of A football went back to the desert swarm teams jerseys. U of A basketball got rid of that disgusting gradient, like you said yesterday. Dropped those new uh, Steve Kerr '90s, 2000s jerseys. So yeah, I like it. D-backs, follow suit. Yeah, go back to the purple and teal, baby. We need it. Um, yeah, I do wish the Suns would have kept the Valley jerseys, though. I don't know why yeah. you didn't. I, I think that was, I think that was like an absolute grand slam of a marketing scheme to just drop that after a few years makes not that much sense to me. Um, but Dude, everyone, uh, everyone had a Valley jersey. It was such a success. Sick. Just, but like, which, why not keep it as like even an ultimate where you play it yeah. like five years? I don't know. It's really weird to me. Um, and I feel like, okay, question to you about the D backs real quick before we go. Will Tori Luvello be fired as a manager or will the D backs make the playoffs? What comes first? Um, you know, normally I would say based on resume that Tory would be fired first, but since it seems impossible in Arizona, at least to fire incompetent coaches, I think we'll just ride it out till he either dies or we make the playoffs. Yeah. But Hey, that young core might be good enough. Like Carla Murray's white raw talent to still be winning a lot of games with some terrible coaching. So, I mean, that Corbin Carroll looks like a superstar. Um, not to go through the whole list, but definitely some elite prospects. Dre, Dre Jameson, man. Future ace, in my opinion. I saw that. <laughs> so, But we'll wrap it up here. DHP, number, not sure, bites the dust. 47, Alex. I think. Oh, that's such a good question. I can't see it because we're on anchor right now. I can't pull it up. But, um, dude, it feels good to be back on. Feels great. I missed it. Let's fucking go, baby. I appreciate you, man. Appreciate you as always, bro. All right. Later, folks. Peace. All righty. Time for everyone's favorite segment. Grinder Chill Guy of the Week. Shout out to AMAC for putting that together. We didn't want to disappoint. We wanted to get that out for you. So without further ado, my Grinder of the Week is none other than tennis legend, all-time great, GOAT, Roger Federer. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. His career came to an end this past weekend with his final tennis match. Very emotional. He had his fiercest competitor and great friend, 
Rafa Nadal there with him. Great to see them show some emotion. Hug your bros, you know. Respect that. Uh, he's had a legendary career, all-time champion, and he will go down in history as the greatest tennis player of all time. Towards the end of his career, he fought through a bunch of injuries just to stay out there on the court. He still, I uh, think to this day, is the oldest tennis player ever to be ranked number one in the world. So hats off to Roger Federer, grinder of the week. Love Roger. That's a great pick. Uh, chill guy of the week. Keep it simple. Um, Hollywood Brown, baby. I mean, just a dude who's come in producing. I mean, what more can you ask for from a primetime superstar? I I love the trade to this day, uh, and I, I really like him. have him on both my fantasy teams. And uh, Hollywood, baby. He's... Uh, Hopefully he continues to show out, man. I, I'm excited to see him in D-Hop like we kind of talked about. 